And I'm here with my friend and co-host, Hiva Murray. Hello, Hiva. Hi, Candace. So we are here to talk about the Willem Dafoe, Katy Perry episode of SNL. And I want to just start by asking Hiba, do you like Willem Dafoe? Do you like know who he is? Any initial thoughts before we should get into this? Yeah. Um, okay. So what I always think about when I think about him is that he looks like he's ancient, like he looks yeah. like he should have been in his 80s, but he's actually only 66. And every yeah. time I encounter him, I look that up and then like somehow have amnesia and forget it. And mm-hmm. I'm like amazed by this fact. I'm like familiar with him as like a beloved like movie star, but mm-hmm. I'm not like personally a fan of like, I can, I don't know if I could say I've seen anything that he's in, to be honest. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I have only seen Willem Dafoe in one movie, and that is Sean Baker's The Florida Project. And I loved him Mm -hmm. in it. He had an Oscar nominee worthy performance. However, fun fact, listeners, Hibba, me and Willem have been on campus together before. I don't know if Hibba knows this. So wait, he's a BU alum? No. So here's the story. When we were undergrads, there was this one night where I was just like a dumb freshman or something like that. And Willem Dafoe came on campus um, to speak about something. And oh. I remember I had to choose between going to his talk and going to a basically Q&A session with a local reporter in Maine. And because I was a journalism student, I was like, I got to go to this local reporting Q&A. And so I ditched Willem Dafoe <gasps> to go to this Q&A. Was it worth it? Hibba, great question. The answer is I don't remember. So probably no. Probably no. But I think it's important to know. We've, we've all been in the same. Shared space. Yeah, shared Within the same 15 miles of Willem Dafoe. If we were all on Hinge, we'd, we'd, be, we'd see Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully he, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully he's not <laughs> making his age range. The minimum is eighteen because I was probably a freshman. So. Oh my gosh, that's what a so fun ridiculous. Time. What a fun time. Anyway, um, let's move on to current day, not within fifteen miles. So my hot take on Willem Dafoe. I feel like Willem Dafoe is Rami Malek plus fifteen years, and I know what you're <laughs> thinking. He's definitely more than 15 years older than that. I know. I know. <laughs> it's just that to me, they have an Occupy, this very same brand of like Oscar worthy performance actor mixed mm-hmm. with like absolute absurd weird comedy mm-hmm. that always somehow trickles back down to the art of self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like something I've always kind of felt about Willem Dafoe and especially in this episode not afraid to make fun of himself, not afraid to kind of just go for it in this for the sake of acting. And Rami Malek strikes me the very same way. However, I cannot say that they had equal 
SNL episodes. So let's start with the monologue. All I wanted to say about this monologue is I really don't like gags. And so the whole Appleton, Wisconsin thing, the cameo, I just really didn't need it. Yeah, I... Okay, first of all, I think that Rami Malek would be flattered by this comparison. Like, Oh, yeah. Even if the math doesn't add up exactly for me, I feel like he would be so honored. Like, I feel like if someone told him, like, oh, I could see you becoming Willem Dafoe, he would be like, I would love that. Just, like, the oh, legacy, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. Um, and they're both kind of, like, like petite, like, on the smaller side. Yeah. Like, weird actor guys. Extremely talented, but you're right, very strange. Um, <laughs> okay, so I felt like there was too much, like, they. it was, like, too extra. Like, he's a famous mm-hmm. guy. Like, he doesn't need like extra people to be planted in the audience to like support his model i don't know i feel like sometimes when people do all the gimmicky things like unless you really nail it it kind of takes away from the confidence we have in the host Mm. so i didn't feel like it was a solid start to the episode i'm with you i also think hibbo was right about something which is that previously she not only had said willem dafoe must be 72 years old But we were talking about how Willem was in the audience for Will Forte's monologue. And I just kind of felt like, oh, like, why are you here right now? You're next week. And Hibba kind of made this joke that like, ah, ha, ha, maybe grandpa needs more time to like get ready. And I actually think you're right, because there was something about his cadence that felt like he was just nervous, which is fine. I actually think if you're not nervous for SNL, that's weird. But yeah. also, I think when you reach for gags, these very extraneous things that literally just take the camera off you. I think that's what it is. And yeah. so I think this will come back for the rest of the episode. But I now want to ask, were there any sketches that like stood out to you? Yeah. Okay. So I enjoyed the one that was like Marine Columbus and I think it was in kind of like the same series of sketches where they have like a morning show in a city. So they had um, Good Morning Toronto and they had like Drake Watch with Issa Rae. Um, That one was a lot funnier, but I thought Mm -hmm. this one was still pretty funny where like they have somebody doing something on camera and like because of one little slip up, it becomes this whole like series of inappropriate jokes that they can't mm-hmm. like that are like obviously inappropriate for tv that they would cut if it was actually a real news segment um i really just love the casting on this one to be honest like bowen and ego were like amazing anchors and like their energy always like is good and feeds off each other and then um mikey day also was like the correspondent mm-hmm. and um him and bowen i don't remember if ego was but him and bowen were definitely also in the good morning Toronto one so mm-hmm. i just like that this is kind of like a reoccurring like reliable funny sketch that they can pull from i wrote down it was like the good kind of cringe because i feel like we've talked about how snl is always kind of like walking this line between like hilarious and uncomfortable and where mm-hmm. like they're making fun of things that are actually like uh, this is not great but like it like I'm more I'm like laughing at it so much that I'm like sort of overcoming the awkwardness mm-hmm. um so I thought that was funny what really uh brought me over to the side of this is funny is 
they had, I think they had like, I don't remember what part of the sketch, but they had a handle and it was like, at incel daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, like, I hope this is not a real thing in the world, but it was just like very terrible and hilarious. Yeah. First off, Hibba, that's my handle. Second, (laughs) (laughs) I am so glad you brought up the Toronto version of the sketch, which I think was called Bonjour High. And it's very funny because they kind of actually had a similar joke, which is that in this one with Willem Dafoe, the joke was that his book was accidentally called Blowing Yourself. And then in the Bonjour High one, they kept making, they kept telling Mikey Day to put his face in a hole of a bagel. So I'm really loving whoever on the writing staff is all up in these news holes. Anyway. You brought up weirdness. You brought up kookiness. And I actually want to point out the sketch that I think brought out Willem's kookiness the most, which was the Beauty and the Beast sketch. My first question, why do they keep casting Pete as Disney princesses? Mm -hmm. Here he's a beast. He was Aladdin at some point, which was a very pivotal (laughs) sketch in his life. What's up with that? I thought, okay, so I actually thought that that was believable casting sure is it me or could pete davidson exist as the beast but is he hot enough to become the human version at the end of the movie oh absolutely not yeah i mean it depends who you ask i think some women he dated might say yes because they got that stockholm syndrome yeah kim if you need help blink twice oh my god so the reason why i think this sketch put willem in the best position is because i really feel like they used him to his maximum ability willem is weird but he's actually also very good at physical comedy because his physicality just comes from having this like deeply malleable voice and this body that's like quite live and ant like and i just feel like Despite the content of the sketch and the places it went, I just wished more of the sketches understood that this is what Willem is capable of and kind of just use that to their advantage, just with better storytelling, perhaps. The whole time you were explaining this, I was just thinking about how well Rami Malek would also do in the same sketch. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was just like, that insight is just going to stay with me because you're right like the physical comedy the like leaning into like the cringe like giving it 110 percent like that's what makes it work like if you have the host or whoever's cast in that role who's like not sure about leaning into it that really breaks it but I think he really made it exactly I'm really glad you said that because the other thing too is that like I think Willem picking that sketch makes sense to me. In his head, he was like, "I know Beauty and the Beast. I can work off this." Yeah. Whereas Rami's whole thing is he just has like a younger sensibility of like what is funny, what is subtle, what is sarcastic. Yeah. And the the common thread with Rami and Willem there, Willem is that they're good at bouncing off Pete because mm. when Rami was on, he played Pete and Pete played Rami, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of an interesting bounce off of like. Let's be weird against this weird guy. Yeah. Although, to be fair, if you're in a room with Pete Davidson and he's not the weird one, I guess that makes you the weird one. Let's think about that, guys. <laughs> let's think about that. And so those were kind of the sketches that we were, let's say, willing to tolerate. Sorry, Willem to tolerate. I now want to jump over to, unfortunately, a better part of the episode, which was Weekend Update. Heba, start us off. What do you think of Weekend Update? Okay, I had... 
so much to say about weekend update it was so long but there was also like so many entertaining mm-hmm. parts i agree with you i think weekend update was probably like the best part of the show um mm-hmm. i know i like weekend update so i'm a little biased but yeah it was really solid so um a few things i noted um colin made some jabs at lauren there was some mitch mcconnell jokes which i always enjoy um Adie and bowen did this hilarious like trend predictor mm-hmm. skit and i thought it was funny because like the stuff they were saying was really funny but Adie kept breaking and mm. bowen like almost never breaks except when they were talking about baby trends he almost broke <laughs> and so yeah. yeah there's really something about people almost breaking that makes whatever the funny thing they're doing like even funnier um so that was good and then Peyton Manning came on and like he just kept really hardcore promoting Emily in Paris season two and the whole Mm -hmm. time I was just like why is he going so hard about this like this is so bizarre I don't really like have the context of football so I don't know if he was like trying to say like I don't care about this season or whatever but it was just Mm -hmm. so bizarre to me but like in a way that I sort of enjoyed I also feel like of course Peyton Manning would be into Emily in Paris like what a basic thing to be into Mm -hmm. but saying Mm -hmm. that as someone who did watch season one and like is eventually planning on watching season two so yeah you know you know I first off want to say his description and criticism of season two was quite accurate. As someone who was unfortunately in the Emily in Paris back, I was like, yeah, I agree with you about all of this. Mm. And the Peyton Manning of it all. So first off, that man loves screen time. Mm. If he could be the Michael Strahan of comedy, he would. Because he loves putting his face out there. And... I think I appreciate his ability to really convince me that he actually watched Emily in Paris. Like, the details were right. Mm. I'm definitely curious as to, like, who called who? Did he call Lauren? Did Lauren Yeah, how did him? he get on there? How did that happen? My other thing, too, is, look, Emily in Paris came out before the year started. And so a part of me is like, was this supposed to air in December? Yeah. And then it got cut in the Paul Rudd show? Because oh, maybe that's what That happened. makes more sense. Maybe Peyton was going to come in for the Paul Rudd episode because... Paul Rudd likes football and I don't know yeah. but with all that being said even though I don't hate Peyton Manning I'm just gonna say kid I don't think you should be an actor just because my one critique is that he has a very expressionless face mm-hmm. his face did not move at all and I don't know if it was Botox but like as an actor which I could feel like he wants to be you gotta have something in the eyes and homeboy looked Nothing. dead I feel like them moving it to another part another episode makes the most sense because it was just so random and I feel like that took away from like the delivery a little bit like I was just trying to figure Mm -hmm. out why yeah same okay now we're moving on to a pretty heated topic (gasps) and I want to start off by asking Hibba I have never asked you this what are your thoughts on Katy Perry as a singer I can't believe this hasn't come up in our years of friendship Okay, so I have actually a really specific experience with Katy Perry that I'd like to share. Um, Please do. So when she was, like, first up and coming, like, before she was, like, this huge pop star, um, I went to Six Flags with my family, and she was, like, giving a free concert there, which I attended. Wow. But it wasn't like we went 
to see her it was like we went and she was there and this was like at the very early days so she just had i think the i kissed a girl and i liked it song sure um so yeah that was like my budding memory of Katy perry where i was just like who's this random girl like oh and then she got like really famous and i was like oh i went to her concert one time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um for the price of admission to six bucks but so okay so my thoughts on her i just feel like she should retire to be honest like i don't understand why she's still relevant like i feel like she had her moment and like she's not one of those artists that's always doing something new and tasteful and innovating like i feel like lady gaga has been around for like the same amount of time but she like branched out into movies and she's like doing other stuff and like her music has evolved but I feel like Katy Perry is kind of like the same like she was known for these like really like crazy costumes and like she came on SNL and what did she do like she had like eight people dressed as mushrooms and like Mm -hmm. I don't know like I feel like the like Kesha moment of like being this like wild LA like party girl is kind of like over um Mm -hmm. so i was confused about like her promoting psychedelics um but the second performance actually had me more confused because the first one was at least like on brand for her even if it wasn't like you know innovating or anything like that the second one was like a very dialed down version of one of her like songs that came out like two years ago and that I, mm-hmm. again, I was just like left thinking like, why? Like, did she release an acoustic version? Why is she still on the like the mushroom set situation? Mm-hmm. Is she sitting inside of a loofah? Like her dress? It was very like Alice in Wonderland. And then the second part was like Alice in Wonderland goes to therapy. Like, mm. I don't know. I just had like so many feelings. Like every time I see Katy Perry, like I'm just like, why is this happening like you definitely have enough money to like go do something else you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah it's really funny because whenever an artist comes on snl it always makes me like have this existential crisis where i question my relation to their career mm-hmm. and this was one of those moments where i was like wow i've never really asked myself what i think about Katy perry because the first realization I had to reckon with is that I actually really, really enjoy her last three singles, which were Never Really Over, which she performed yeah. acoustically. I really liked Small Talk, and my favorite is Harley's in Hawaii. Oh, interesting. The sad news about this is that two of those songs, Small Talk and Harley's in Hawaii, were written by Charlie Puth, another uh, person I have an extremely difficult relationship to, even though I know every single lyric to every single one of his songs. But nonetheless, I had to really think about her time on SNL, because the last time she was on SNL, she performed Bon Appetit with the Migos, which was oh my such a flop performance and a fail that I kind of understand why she took some time before coming back to the stage. Yeah. But maybe let's start with her first performance so i think her first performance was ambitious just simply because the stage is so small that having that many mushrooms they can't really move but i think what it reminded me is that Katy perry who you met pre (laughs) not i didn't meet uh, her her first encounter when Katy perry met hibba (laughs) when Katy perry met hibba before she made it big like Katy perry has vocal ability she's a strong vocalist and i think I always need to be reminded of that with moments like these because she's in this new phase of her pop career. She's collabing with Alesso. And I think 
her first performance was fine. I would argue we've seen this before. Her second song, I have to admit, I do not think she started it off strong mm-hmm. vocally, but I think by the bridge, she was really back in her bag. And the thing is, I'm pretty confident that there must be better covers of Never Really Over on like YouTube and TikTok yeah. and BBC Radio 1. But at the end of the day... Hey, you bring up this question about whether or not, like, she should retire. And my whole thing is I think it wouldn't be a horrible idea. I'd love to see her just kind of, like, hone the, like, producer, singer, songwriter of herself and, like, give those songs to younger artists. But at the end of the day, Katy Perry, she has a child. She has such good hits. I'd like to shout out Teenage Dream. And I'd also like to shout out the one that got away, which is the music video that changed my entire idea of whimsical California romance and Diego Luna. And at the end of the day, she can do whatever she wants. We are not the same. I think that's what I'm trying to come to the conclusion of. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like we judge her from a place of, like, not really understanding where she is in her career. Like... But I don't know. I've, I'd like to see her try something new. I guess that's what yeah. I'm waiting for. Country. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Hiba, back to Willem Dafoe. What is your ranking of this episode? Yeah. Um, okay. I'm struggling a little bit, but I think I'm going to give this episode a 6.5 Dancing Mushrooms um Mm. yeah I'm okay so I didn't hate it but I didn't love it like some of the other sketches like the bad minister dog show were like more cringe than funny kind of things Mm -hmm. but I don't have like worse feelings towards Willem or Katy Perry than I did before it's just like these people resurfaced for me and I watched them for an hour and a half and like now I won't think about them until I see them again. So yeah, not a super memorable episode, um, but I didn't hate it. I think that's super fair. My ranking of this episode is actually the inverse. It's going to be 5.6 out of 10s, office chairs thrown out the window. I just really feel like they underutilized Willem Dafoe so much. Mm -hmm. And the first thing is that it's just extremely odd to me that this is his first time hosting because he did tell a publication around this time, like the timing was never right. The marketing was never right. And I'm like, that's false because the Florida project was a big deal. All the Spider-Mans was a big deal. And it really does make me come back to the Owen Wilson, like, I am scared. Yeah. I am scared. And that's all that's happened. Now, I rounding out and coming full circle back to what I said at the top of the episode, it's just so funny that the Willem Dafoe-Rami Malik comparison is so strong, but I firmly do believe that this was probably my least favorite episode of the season, whereas Rami's was probably my favorite episode of the season. Yeah. And so... It's actually kind of odd to me because I'm like, the caliber of writing and absurdity that was present for Rami is there. The staff is there. The sketches are there. So why didn't Willem go there? I don't know. And to be honest, I'm sure like so many really, really good sketches were written, thrown at him, and then got thrown off the pile. And if that is true, writers, I would love to read them. You can email me. You can email me and Hibba. Tweet us. (laughs) We will 
act them out on ourselves. And that will be really, really fun. But I agree with you. I do not think I will ever think about this episode ever again in my entire life. I think that says everything that you need to know. Exactly. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Hiba, thank you so much for being here with me. As always, it's been a pleasure. And we will see you all next time for the John Mulaney episode, which will be very, 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 very interesting. See ya.